Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. Let's open up in prayer as we always do. Father God, we come to you in the name of our awesome Savior, Jesus, Lord. Father, we love him. We fell in love with him the day he called us into his kingdom, took us out of darkness and put us into the light, took, it out, took us out of the dungeons and set us free. Lord God, we thank you and praise you, Lord. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you demonstrated your love before us and that while we were yet sinners, your son came and died for us to pay the penalty of our sin. Lord, tonight we're here to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Savior Jesus. So, Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak loud and clear to us tonight as we dive into your word, as we fellowship with one another. And we thank you, Father. Tonight, and every night, and every day, Lord, may you be glorified in our lives, for only you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen. In Jesus' name. You may be seated, church. For those online, uh, you're listening to the Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're out there. You know, um, we're located in Lantana, Florida, on the north border of Boynton Beach, and also the south border of Lantana. If you're in Florida, if you're local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road. Just go on 995, get off on High Paluxo Road, head west about a quarter mile, and we're on the right-hand side, which is the Lantana on the north side of High Paluxo Road. So come on by and see us. We're here every Thursday night at 715. We're also here every Sunday at 11 a.m. You can tune in. Our website is Freedom Church. PB.org. Get your pencils out. Freedom Church. PB stands for Palm Beach.org. And you can uh, check out our what, what we believe in. You can, you can visit uh, the messages we've had over the many years of being here. You can see our list of ministries. You can even give and donate online to keep the gospel going forth into all the world. You know, we have a missionary right now that we support, that he's in Brazil. You know, most of his support comes from this church. We believe in missions. We want to see the world evangelized because we're hoping that that last one that ever heard about Jesus will hear and that we'll be taken up out of here. And we can't wait for that glorious day. So um, every Sunday, 10 a.m., tune in. On Sundays, we're in the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 12, I believe, this week. And also on Thursday nights, we've been studying in Philippians 7.15. We're, we're on chapter 4 tonight. We're only going to get to the first nine verses. Philippians is a beautiful book, as you well know, if you've been a Christian uh, for a while. And, uh, and also, the, those, thing, those messages are shared Sunday at 10, uh, streamed, I'm sorry. You know, it streamed on 10 a.m. on Sunday and 7.15 on Thursday night. But we have a men's Bible study here on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. That is not streamed. If you're local men, come on by. We have a great time. You know, I'm, I'm actually letting the guys teach so that they have an opportunity to uh, find out if they're, uh, they have the gift of teaching and we're there to monitor it and make sure that they're preaching on target, you know, and um, you stop on by. We have a great time. We have another pastor from another church that comes here for a Saturday men's group meeting, and several different churches are representative. 
You know why? Because we're all one church. It doesn't matter if you're Freedom Church or this church or that church. It doesn't matter. We're all church in Jesus Christ. If we believe he came, he died, he was buried, and he has risen according to the Scriptures the third day. And we're brothers in Christ, and we do walk together. How can two, I mean, how can two agree unless they... How can to agree unless they walk together. Well, we are walking together because we believe that Jesus died, was buried, resurrected the third day. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So praise God. Praise God. So um, you can give online also. I mentioned that. You know, if you're part of this church and this is the main church that you listen to over the Internet, then we are your 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 church, and then you should be, you know, giving your tithe to your church. If you want not part of this church, then... If God leads you, you can give to us with, with love because we do support a missionary, as I said earlier. You know, Matt in Brazil, he's teaching English to the Portuguese-speaking missionaries down there so that they can go into different countries and preach the gospel. I know one of them's going to England. I know another one's going to India and uh, several different countries that he's, he's uh, teaching them English. And believe me, they're struggling. And these... these uh, future missionaries are just struggling just to keep uh, the finances coming in so that they can keep attending this school to get out into the mission fields because Brazil is not a real rich country, as you well know. So anyway, I've been to Brazil. I've been there. You know, uh, we preached the gospel in several different churches, you know, whether they were Assembly of God or, or Baptist or, or, you know, any different denominations. It was amazing, you know, they're you know, the what went on. People got saved, people got healed, people got delivered, and that's what God is doing around the world. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, and delivers your life from the pit. Bless the Lord. Don't you know that you're, you're going to heaven if you believe in Jesus and receive him as your Savior. Praise the Lord Jesus. Anyway, if you have any questions, you can email me, joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Just add the joe at in front of our website, joe at freedomchurchpb.org. I'll be glad to uh, talk with you and, um, and answer any questions that you might have. Okay, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read the first nine verses. I'm reading from the New American Standard, just so you know, NASB. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Judea, Odia, and Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, True companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. These things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Wow. Wow. Paul's in prison, as you well know, uh, from earlier studies. And if you just tuned in tonight, this is a present epistle. Paul is in prison in Rome, and he's, he's writing letters to all the churches that he started and asking that these letters be distributed to all the different churches. Like in Galatia, there, you know, there, there are several different churches in Galatia. And he, they were passing these letters around from the Apostle Paul. Um, and we learned in the first chapter of this book, just to reiterate real quickly, first chapter 1, we found out that Jesus Christ is our life. He's our highest motive of Christian service in this world. From the, the time of the Apostle Paul and, and the, the 12 apostles, you know, from, until now, he is our life. You were crucified with him. It's no longer you who live, if you're a Christian. It's Christ who lives in you. He is our life. And if you're a true Christian, you will realize that Jesus is your life. You can't live without him if you're a believer. Chapter 2, Christ is our example. He's exhibiting the perfect spirit of humility. And we need to do the same. He's our life. He's our example. And now chapter 3, Christ is our goal. He's what we're aiming for. He's the prize at the end of the race. Paul says, run the race that you may win, that you might get the prize. You know, well, the prize of a Christian faith is being, being able to see Jesus face to face. He's the attraction in heaven. If he, he should be. He's the one that died for you, paid for your sins, so that you can end up going to heaven instead of the place prepared for the devil and his angels. He is our goal. He's our supreme prize. And you need to keep your focus. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus. You don't look at the pastor. You look at the master on the cross. He died for you. The pastor's a human being, and he can fail. But Jesus does never fail. He's your life. He's your example. He's your goal. And in this chapter, chapter 4, we're going to find out that Jesus Christ is our strength. He is our strength. His power is limitless. Limitless. Limitless, not limited, limitless. I named this chapter 12 Cures for Worry. So if you go online, you just pick up the, the teaching that says 12 Cures for Worry. Now, it might not be put on right away. It might take a day or two to get it online if you're listening tonight, but it'll be online soon. So verse 1. Verse 1 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Here's Paul saying, you know, he's in prison. He is standing firm. He's already giving you his example. 
So stand firm means to keep your eyes from last chapter. Keep your eyes on the prize, and the prize is Jesus Christ. He's the attraction, as I said, in the kingdom of heaven. That was taught in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21. Let me read it to you. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to himself. Listen, it's taught here to stand firm. Keep your eyes on the prize. You're going to win. Keep focused. Do not lose. Do not let the world get a hold on you. You're supposed to have a light touch on the world and a, a great hold on the kingdom of heaven. You know, we know 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, stand fast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. We are commanded by the Scriptures to stand firm no matter what happens in our life. Here Paul says, my joy and my crown. Paul loved the Philippian church. He loved the Philippian church. You remember the women he met at the river, and they accepted Jesus as their, as their Savior, and they invited Paul to stay at the house. And then he ended up in prison for preaching the gospel, and, and he got arrested and, and beat and chained with Silas. And they began singing hymns at midnight. And because they sang hymns, the, the, the prison doors were were opened and the chains fell off their hands and everybody in the prison stayed there. They didn't even run. The God of the Holy Spirit was all through this place. Paul loved the Philippian church and there he met the Philippian jailer who was about to kill himself because the prisoners would escape and the prisoners and Paul said don't, don't kill yourself. We're all here. They were so in tune. The whole prison was in tune with the glorious majesty and the glory and the worship and the praise that was being sung unto God. And then when the earth quaked and the, and the doors opened and the chains fell off, they knew the power of God was there. And even the Philippian jailer, when Paul said, we're all here, he knew he was going to die anyhow if those prisoners escaped because Roman, the Romans would, would kill him. That's all there is to it. He was about to kill himself. And you know what? He did die that day. He accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he became a new creature in Christ. The old things passed away, and all things became new. And that's what happened to you, and that's what happened to me. I remember that day like yesterday, and it was 45 years ago come July. 45 years ago. And I remember it, and it was the greatest day of my life. Paul's saying, you are my joy and my crown. He loved the Philippians. He loved the Philippian church. He was telling them to stand firm. Look at I'm in prison, he's saying. I'm in prison, and I'm standing firm on the Word of God. And he did. Paul loved them, and they loved Paul. And this crown that they're talking about, you know, there's two crowns in Scripture. There's, there's the, the uh, Stephanos crown, and there's the, the uh, golden crown. 
It's called a diadem crown. You know, it's most probably made of gold with all kind of gems in it. Well, Paul was saying, you're my crown. This word here for crown is Stephanos. Crown is the crown that an athlete would win when he won the race. This kind of crown. You know, that golden diadem crown, there's only one person that wears that. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a crown of achievement, that, that uh, crown that uh, you win if you're serving the Lord. You're going to receive a crown, a Stephanos crown, the crown of achievement, the crown given to an athlete who wins a race. Paul says, I urge you, Odiah and Saitenshi, to live in harmony with the Lord. There was obviously a ripple going on in the Philippian church. Probably a, you know, there's probably a division or a starting up. You know, but Paul says here, I, I urge Odiah and Saitenshi to live in harmony with another, in other words. In other words, work, and you're one in Christ. Walk together. You may have a disagreement, but you can agree to disagree. But there's one thing you don't disagree about, that Christ came, that Christ died, that Christ was buried, and Christ is risen the third day according to the Scriptures. That's one thing that don't change if you're a Christian. And if your church isn't believing that, I believe see, you better move to a new church. Because you need a pastor that's preaching the gospel and not tickling your ears with some kind of nonsense. There's a ripple going on, and that's what Paul's telling you, Odiah and Saitaichi. He's telling them to live in harmony. You agree. You're both believers in Christ. You can agree to disagree. So he's urging them to just live in harmony, and that's what should be going on. Instead of schisms in the church today, you should have, you know, you're one. You believe the same thing. You're walking together. Because you do have a common bond. And that common bond is Jesus Christ, Him crucified, dead, buried, and risen. Paul does not take sides, if you noticed. He doesn't take sides. He just tells them to live in harmony with one another. And he encourages others to encourage them to live in harmony with, with others. They were fellow and faithful helpers to Paul, but they had a falling out somehow. And Paul's saying, don't dare destroy the church over this nonsense, really, is what it is. They notice that these two women obviously have a prominent place in the church. They obviously do. These are women. It's, those names are woman names. And Paul, even in the third verse, says this, Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women. It's definitely women in here, and they obviously had a prominent place in the church. We can't cut women out in the church. You're going to lose half the voice of the gospel being preached to the world. Maybe even more, because the women seem to be very aggressive at preaching the gospel. Listen, women have a prominent place in the church. It has been like that since practically day one, because here it is in the Philippian church in chapter 4 and verse 2. And three. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. Look at that. They worked hard with Paul. They shared the gospel. They struggled in the gospel. Don't forget, you know, 
They were, they were being persecuted in the church back then. These women just endured it. They were strong. They were aggressive. And they were prominent in the church. He says, he says they shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. Together with Clement. Now Clement's a man's name. Also, the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Look at the book of life. If your name is not in the book of life, you need to get it there. And there's only one way to get your name in the Lamb's book of life, and that's by receiving Christ as your Savior. That's by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and you will be saved. That's the only way your name's going to get in the book of life. You're not going to get your name in the book of life because you planned a dinner at, the, at your church or you taught Sunday school for the last 15 years or you're the, you're the choir director or you're part of the choir. Your only way your name gets in the book of life is if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. John tells you this, but as... Many as received him, that's Christ, for as many as received him, to him, to them, he gave them the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. I believe the mercy of God is so much greater than we could ever imagine. I really do. Clement also must have been a large Clement, you know, with, with what he's telling us here, there must have been a large amount of believers in Philippi. There must have been a large amount of believers. And these names are in the book of life. And you can see the book of life if you turn to Revelation chapter 20 and verse uh, 15. Maybe let's, let's go there. Let's go there. Revelation 20. It's almost the last book of Revelation. Revelation has 22 chapters, so you're in chapter 20, and we're at the 15th verse. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's all the more reason that you need to receive Christ as your Savior. Because you know what? If you don't receive Christ as your Savior and accept the blood that He shed on the cross, the blood of Almighty God, and you trampled it underfoot like it was worthless, you deserve the lake of fire. I don't care if you're my, my, my spouse. I don't care if you're my friend. I don't care if you're my son or my daughter. If you don't if you trample underfoot the blood of Christ, you're not worthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. Something to keep your focus on. I didn't say this. This is in the book. So don't get, in, get mad at your preachers when you hear a fire and brimstone message. Listen, the world was, we had, we had great revivals in America in the 1700s with, with uh, George Whitefield. And um, who is it, Ed, Edward, uh, the one who preached, um, you know, um, sinners in the hand of an angry God. 
They turned the world upside down, and Boston was converted. 50%, over 50% of Boston was converted to Christianity over the message of Jonathan Edwards, it was. And then in the 1800s, we had more great revivals, and these both were fire and brimstone preachers. And there is hardly, you can't even find hardly a fire and brimstone preachers today. And if you do, their congregations are really small because nobody wants to hear it. Let me hear it. Let me tell you, you are a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's it. That's what the book, the Bible says. And that's why Paul says, you know, really, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know why you should rejoice? You double, he, this, this is emphatic here. It's almost like Jesus when He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I told you, those two words, I am, is ego ami in Greek. Ego means I, and ami means I am. So Jesus said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what Paul is saying here. It's emphatic. And I say, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He's saying rejoice, man. We're going to heaven. Who cares what's happening down here? So you got fired from your job or you lost your job. We need to keep our eyes and focus on the prize. Learn to figure back to Philippians chapter 3. Keep our eyes on the prize. You're here to serve God. You're here to do what He told you to do. We even learned that in, in Philippians here. It's a command to rejoice in the Lord. It's a command. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. That's very important. That's why Paul said it twice. Regardless of how, how your day's gone, whether it's dark, it's bright, whether it's dry or wet, whether it's hot or cold, regardless of your difficulties, your problems, your temptations in life, regardless, we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord. We should live on cloud nine as the world would say, because we're going to heaven. We should live on cloud nine. We are going to heaven. Verse 5, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. You know, the Lord's near. The Lord's here tonight. You don't see him, but he's here. You know the Holy Spirit lives in each one of you, right? So the Lord's spirit is here. It says the Lord is here. The Lord's Spirit is here. He is here. The Lord's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the, what's going to say? He's the work. He's the one doing the work in the world today. He is, God is the Father, is the administrator. Jesus is the revelation. And the Holy Spirit is the operation of the Lord in this world today. Our attitude does, should not have reflected on our outward circumstances. What's, that's what Paul is saying. Our attitude should not have be reflected of our, our circumstances. Well, if you're going, you got fired from your job, it shouldn't be reflected in your outward circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Let, it, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Here's the application. Our ultimate joy comes from Christ dwelling within us. 
He lives in you. He's with you all the time. Oh, the verse says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Yes, that's true. But if, if, if there's just one of you, the Holy Spirit is right in your heart if you're a believer. So the Lord's with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. The Lord is near, Paul says. He said, live every day with the awareness that Jesus is here and he's going to soon return. He's going to soon return. You can see the world going downhill very fast. To hell in a handbasket, some people say. This world is going down. They're calling evil good and good evil. They're bringing homosexuals into the church, and, and they're changing the church. No, the church is supposed to change them. You don't bring them in and flaunt your sin. You bring them in so they repent of their sins. What's going on in the world today, or even churches that are doing that? I have a feeling that, well, I have a feeling, I know that the Lord will rebuke, rebuke them in the end. They'll say, well, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we, give, didn't we uh, lay hands on the sick and they recover? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. You know why? Because you brought sin into the church. Jesus didn't die so you can bring sin into the church. He died so that you could repent of your sin and get it out of you because he paid for the price. He paid the price for your sins. we got to wake up. The church is in trouble. church is in trouble. And pretty much I preach like this all the time. And you know what? Our church should be should be flow, flourishing, but it's it's not flourishing. We're we're few and far between. But you know what? The Lord turned the world upside down with twelve disciples. If you add Paul to the list, because Judas hung himself. You know, the world turned the, the Lord turned the world upside with twelve people. And this church is more than twelve people. But we can turn our cities upside down: Boynton Beach and Lantana and Lake Worth and other cities in this area. Verse 6 and 7, verses that people, if you've been a Christian for a while, you probably even have these memorized. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We are commanded by this verse to let our requests be made known to God. You know what that's called? Prayer. Let your requests be made known to God. A lot of us go to God in prayer, and it's really nothing but complaint. It's really nothing but complaint. We've got to watch ourselves. Quit complaining. Because you're commanded to, to uh, pray. Pray for the sick. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your children. Pray for yourself. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your elders and your deacons. Pray for your missionaries and a whole bunch of other things. We are commanded to pray. You can pray for spiritual things, physical things, material things. Everything that you're concerned with in life. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. 
Listen to the next verse. For everyone who asks, receives. God always answers your prayer. It's just not, sometimes it's just not what you, it's just not what you want to hear. He might be yes, it might be no, it might be maybe a little later. So you have to be patient. See, there's ten cures for worry, as far as I can can uh, dig up in the scriptures, and here they are. Number one, verse seven. Permit the peace of God to keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You got to allow it to. You got to permit it to to give you peace in your heart and your mind. That's by rejoicing always. And again, I say rejoice. Number two. You should renounce all kind of worry by prayer and supplication, even fasting. Renounce it. And make sure you thank God for it. You know, we're told to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. But the first part of that verse says, submit to God. Submit to God, then resist the devil, and then he'll flee. See, you want the devil to flee, but you are resisting God. So if he's not fleeing, that's the reason. That's James 4, 7, just in case you think I made that up. Number three, you're to think on right things. You're going to let your mind think on beautiful things. This is one of the first verses I've memorized in the Bible. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are of good report, whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, let your mind dwell on these things. Listen, true, honest, right, pure, lovely, and of good report. You got to let your mind dwell on those things, and then there is no way that you're going to be sad or, or think lowly of yourself. You've got to think right thoughts. True? Let's go. Here's go. Here's the easy way to remember it. T-H-R, pure, lovely, right. P-L-O, pure, lovely, of good report. Pure, True, honest, right. T-H-R-P-L-O. Remember the, you remember the P-L-O about 30 years ago? Causing trouble in the Middle East? Pure, lovely, of good report. Because of them, I memorized that verse like that. Think on right things. Don't think on negative things. Think on true and right things. What's pure, what's lovely, what's of good report, what's true, honest, and right. Number four, keep your mind stayed on God. If you don't know Isaiah 26.3, you ought to. He will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord, not to the world, not to what's going on in your life, but to the Lord. 
God will keep you in perfect peace. That's a promise from Isaiah. 26.3. Number five, use your weapons of spiritual warfare. You have an enemy. A lot of the church don't even want to talk about the devil. You need to study your enemy. Now, you're not exalting him. You're studying your enemy. And in Korea, the soldiers learned how to fight in the mountains. They learned how their enemy was going to bomb them with mortars. In, in Vietnam, we learned jungle warfare. We had to learn it, figure out how our enemy's going to act. So we learned jungle warfare. When, you, when, when the wars broke out in Afghanistan and, and the Middle East, you know, we, we were the soldiers are trained in desert warfare. You know why? Because their enemies are going to use their surroundings to benefit them. So you have to know what to do. You can't pretend like the devil don't exist. And the scriptures are full of, of scriptures that tell you, for the weapons of your warfare through Christ are not carnal, they're mighty through God. They pull down strongholds, they cast down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against God, and it brings into captivity every thought of yours to the obedience of Christ. Why did God say, put on the full armor of God? And in Ephesians chapter 6, because you need it. In Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 49 to 59, somewhere in there, where it shows God going out into battle, and he puts on his helmet of salvation, and he puts on his breastplate of righteousness. Now, if God comes out of his kingdom, okay, and he's entering from a holy place to an unholy place. Even God himself puts on his armor of sal or helmet of salvation and his breastplate of righteousness. So if he's going to do it, you better do it. And by the way, there's nowhere in the scripture that says to take the armor of God off. It's you put it on and you don't take it off because it doesn't encumber you. You have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. You have the sword of the Spirit, you have the shield of faith, you have your feet trod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Nowhere in the scripture does it say take off your armor. If you want to get up every morning and put on the armor of God, praise God. You know, you're really reminding yourself you're wearing the armor of God. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't take off your armor. Don't tell lies or else you're going to lose your breastplate of righteousness. Don't, don't watch dirty movies because you're going to ruin your mind because your helmet's off. You know why? You know why Goliath died? I'm convinced of this. He saw a little ruddy kid out there with a slingshot, and he's a valiant warrior, nine foot six inches tall. Okay, and he says, "You're gonna, you're gonna defeat me with that little ruddy. I'll, I'll, I'll have him nailed in no time." You know what he did? He probably took off his armor. He probably threw off his helmet because he said, that little punk ain't gonna get me. So David winds up with that slingshot, wails it, and it sinks in. His forehead right between his eyes because he took his helmet off. Don't you dare take a, the, the helmet of salvation or any of your, don't take any of your armor off. You take off your belt of truth and you're going to be covered by lies and it's going to enter into you. You just go, you take off your, your sandals. You know, the enemy puts glass and bones in the battlefield at night. So if you have a, an army that's poor and they don't have sandals, they're taken out of the battle because their feet are destroyed. You know that you can't. I stepped on a nail a couple times when I was a kid, and I'll tell you what, it's no picnic. 
I'll be taken right out of the battle. Now you're hopping like Bugs Bunny. You can't do it. Don't take your armor off. Number six, put on, oh, I've covered this already. Put on the whole armor of God. You know it. Let me read it to you because this is a favorite chapter in, in the Bible. A lot of preachers preach on it. Even new people come and you get opportunity to preach. Here it is, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the devil in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. Wow. You wear the armor of God. You should have it on at all times. Number seven. Number seven. Have faith in God. We're supposed to have faith in God. You have faith to believe that He saved you from the penalty of sin. You're supposed to have faith in God. Jesus told us in Mark 11 and also in Matthew's gospel. You know, he said, if you say to the, he said, here's it starts out. If you say, wait, it says, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. And don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you said will happen. God will grant it to you. Now. You say, yeah, I'm going to tell Mount Everest to move over there. No, we're talking about a literal mountain. You know what David's mountain was? Goliath. You know what your mountain might be? I don't know. could be losing your job, and you're not going to get that job you applied for or, or whatever. All I know is you're supposed to have, Jesus said, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, get out of my way and be cast into the sea, and if you don't doubt in your heart, and believe that what you said will happen, God will grant it to you. That's faith. It's calling things that are not as though they were. That's what Abraham did. Called things that were not as though they were. And he was saved by faith and grace. We're not supposed to ask amiss, though, when you have faith in God. You don't ask amiss. You don't ask for something that God has already said you, you can't do. You don't ask for that kind of stuff. Like selfish ambition. I want to preach the gospel so I get rich. I'm going to tell you something. Very few pastors get rich preaching the gospel. You know what? I'm talking monetary rich. 
You know where they're going to get rich? In the kingdom of heaven because they got their eyes on the prize. Some of them want fame and fortune. Paul even started out the book of Philippians by saying, saying that you know some are glad that he's in prison and some are using it for benefit to preach the gospel that Paul's in prison. So he says some do it out of selfish ambition. Some do it out of a, out of a, a bad heart, but some do it out of a pure heart. And he says, what do I care as long as Christ is preached? See? So he's even letting them go because they are preaching Christ, even though they're coming against him. And even if they're doing it out of selfish ambition, they're preaching the gospel, and that's what that counts. That counts. All things you ask for in prayer, believing you shall receive. Number eight, live and walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 tells you to walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh for the flesh sets its mind against the Spirit and the Spirit sets its mind against the flesh because they're in opposition to one another so that you don't do what you want to do. So, you, as a, a man, we gravitate towards sin. So the Holy Spirit's there saying, no, don't do it. No, don't do it. And the, and the flesh is saying, yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. So there's a war going on in your spirit. And you're supposed to listen to what the Holy Spirit says. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the lusts of the flesh. Verse 17 of Galatians, for the flesh... Wars against the spirit, says one version. The spirit wars against the flesh. The two are in opposition to one another so that you do not do what you want to do. You're going to do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Number nine, do not cast away confidence. Hebrews 3.6 says this, But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and boast of our hope firm until the end. We have to have confidence even to the end of our lives. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23 is another backup for that. Let me read it. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, let that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of God, having our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Don't lose your confidence in the Word of God. Number 10, cast all care upon him. Peter tells us in 5, 7, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He didn't come down here to be beat by uh, beat up by us, nailed to a cross, punched in the face, beard pulled out, 
whipped with a cat and nine tail, crowned with thorns for nothing. He came down here to redeem us. To and we can cast all our cares upon him because he took them at the cross. He took everything off of us and paid the penalty for everything. You are guiltless if you have your faith and trust in him. He gives us those six things to meditate on, which I went through a little bit. True things. All Scripture is inspired by God. Not some Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All Scripture. So don't change the Scriptures. Don't make your own, own chapters in the Bible. Otherwise, you know what you're doing? You're just creating a God that you want. Listen, God is not the God you want. God's God. And here is his rule book, and here is his instructions. You know what? You heard the word Bible, what Bible means, B-I-B-L-E. Basic instruction before leaving earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth, right here in this book. Not the book that you created by removing a chapter or a verse. If you go to Genesis, uh, Revelation chapter 22, I believe it is, it says, Don't, do not take any words from this book because I will take your eternal life from you. It says, do not add to this book or I'll add every plague in this book to you. You don't mess around with the Word of God. The Word of God is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in, right, training in righteousness. And if you change the Word of God, you have the gates of hell coming down on you. So you're supposed to think of honest things. Think that there's all things that are honorable. Deacons must, have, must be men of integrity, not double-tongued. Women also. We're supposed to take on right things or just things. All that's in harmony with all justice and righteousness. Romans, Paul says in the Roman church, being justified as a gift a great, of grace. And even Romans 8, 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. Now you're supposed to think of pure things, all things that are holy, for our bodies. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable to God. That's a pure thing. Do you not know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells in you? So we got to keep from sinning if we, uh, with all of our might, as do as best we can. Therefore, having true promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, Paul tells the Corinthian church. We're to, we're, we're the, another part of the six things to meditate on is lovely things. Love is patience. Love is kind. You know that verse. I use it every time I marry somebody. Love is patience. 1 Corinthians 13. 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. 
It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not, does not take into account wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in righteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there is, there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. Listen. This is the way it's supposed to be. What if I put there, Joe is patient. Joe is kind. Joe is not jealous. Joe does not brag. Joe is not arrogant. Boy, I can't fulfill that. There's one person that does. What if I put here, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not jealous. Jesus does not brag. Jesus is not arrogant. Jesus does not act unbecomingly. Jesus fits in that chapter because Jesus is love. God is love. There's also God is justice and God is righteousness, and he will not let sin into his kingdom. And therefore, you have to repent. And turn away from your sins. That's what repent means. You're supposed to think on good things of good report. All that is in harmony with public goods, virtuousness, and praiseworthy. And then verse 9, Paul says this. These things you have learned and received and heard and practiced, and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, if you do these things, if you, if you are true and honest and right and pure and lovely and of good report, if you do these things and practice them, the God of peace will be with you. These are important things. That to to say, and let me read First Peter, Second Peter, chapter one, and I'll end it here. Second Peter, chapter one, four through ten. For by these he has granted. Wait a minute, am I in the right? Yeah. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For these qualities are yours and are increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten the perfection from his former sins, forgotten the purification from his former sins. Don't forget, 
You're a sinner saved by grace. You're a sinner. There's only one that's righteous. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Beautiful words from the scriptures. And chapter 4 of Philippians. Philippians is, a, is a, an awesome book, a powerful book. Well, let's close in prayer. If you don't know Christ is your Savior out there, you need to. Because you go through this life without listening what the Holy Spirit has been telling you all your life. If Jesus Christ came, died, was buried, and is risen, then you have a sad future. You need to receive Christ as your Savior. Confess Him with your mouth. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and you shall be saved. I did not say your head. The Bible never talks about your head. God looks at your heart. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. God raised Christ from the dead and you will be saved. It is without doubt. Father God, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your holy word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May Freedom Church always bless your name. And may your name always be glorified from this pulpit and no one else. And to you be the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you. And so does God. God loves you. Amen.